You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and we've been on a journey together. For the past several weeks, we've gone through the CPT7 product, the Certified Personal Trainer Study Course. We've done an overview of it. We've created basically a podcast version of a study guide to help you as you go through your study process. There have been a lot of things that we've hit, but now we need to make sure that we have a very clear understanding of what some of the requirements are. So this is a CPT exam prep for the CPT-7. And what that means, so many of the other things that we've talked about is you've studied for the NASM CPT-7. If you're already a certified personal trainer, then you benefited from listening to that, learning and relearning and reacquainting yourself with content, getting nice little reminders about some of the things that you studied when you're on your CPT course. But this one, if you're already certified, you really don't need to listen to this episode because this is about the setup and preparation for those of you who are trying to take your exam. I know doing setups and preps for exams, getting an idea of what it's like to register, what you need for registration, all of that kind of stuff, what to expect on the exam. Reading that can sometimes just be really challenging and sometimes it can be overwhelming. Listening to a, I don't know, 20, 30 minute podcast is my guess, but as you know, if you listen to me, I could talk a lot so that may be longer. It's easier sometimes just to listen to somebody talk it through. So let's get into it. Let's start talking it through. Let's talk about the agenda. And by agenda, what I mean is what your expectations are and your agenda from signing up for the test and then going into the test-taking process. We'll get into actually the exam development, how it started, how it develops, what are some of the testing domains that are included in this? So what are you going to be tested on? Which we've reviewed already, but we're going to go through that. Exam information, what's going to be... Uh, some things about the exam you need to know, and what are some things that kind of key areas to maybe hone in on. In-person and remote proctoring, as these are proctored exams, especially in the time of the pandemic, then they are not in-person exams uh, in many places, so that it will be a live proctor, which means you can take it online, but somebody is online watching you take that exam. There's domain crossover examples. So domain five crosses over to domain six. What are the heavier weighted domains or the areas of study within this course? What are some key things to study, some questions you may have, and then exam taking tips and tricks. So let's talk about what we're going to talk about, and that is exam development, testing, domain, or topics determine exam blueprint. So you have a list of the testing domains, and that is going to basically plan out what the exam looks like. The domains are decided by third-party experts nationwide. So it's not just, it's not at all the NASM people sitting back coming up with the test. It's actually a third party that comes up with what's going to be tested on the exams, not NASM. 
And so that way it is, it's a bit more objective. So as you study through it, then other experts will weigh what it is that they believe you need to be familiar with. There are gonna be 120 multiple choice questions on your exam. I thought it was gonna be 20. Well, sort of, sort of it is. So there are 120 exam questions total. 100 of those questions count. 20 of those questions do not count. So let me explain what's going on there a little bit. There are three types of research questions that you're gonna see. The first one, testing for future test. So what it looks like for you and for other people taking the test from the book, um, you're not gonna know the difference, by the way. You're not gonna know if this is a, a test or this is a research question but it's testing to make sure that it is a good test question. So there's even research on the test questions they go through. There are gonna be critical thinking questions on there and the answers are not gonna be found directly in the textbook, but they're gonna be based on the information that you learned and you should feel a bit more comfortable with as you've been developing this process of studying. And then finally, there's gonna be outside industry knowledge, not information from NASM. It's gonna be information found out in the industry. And what that does is it allows us to track for the industry some of the information that new trainers know about the industry that doesn't really have anything to do with the NASM content. And when we talked about the third party questionnaires, and here's what's happened, it's pretty interesting. They, they bring a lot of people into the NASM process. And they will say, okay, I want you to come to this testing center and you're a personal trainer, you have more than 10 years of experience, which is the case. And they are going to teach you how to ask questions. And they teach you about test taking and about test writing. And then those personal trainers that have had 10 plus years of experience, along with third party experts, people who are good at psychometrics, and it's their job to write questions and to validate them. And so they it's all part of a process. And this changed a lot years ago when NASM started doing this and working with a company to make sure the questions were done based on science as opposed to just somebody who wrote the chapter and then threw some questions out there for people to answer. So there's a lot of science even just behind the testing process here for NASM. Let's do a brief review on the domains. Domain one, basic and applied sciences and nutritional concepts to be 15% of your total examination, chapters five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. So 15% of the exam will be on those chapters or in domain one. Domain two, client relations and behavioral coaching, another 15% taken from chapters three and four. That's domain two. Domain three, assessment, chapters 11 and 12, 16% of your exam will be weighted on the assessments. Then there's domain four, program design, 20% of the weight of your exam on program design, chapters 21, 22, and 23. Domain five, exercise technique and training instruction. 24% of the weight of the exam will be on domain five, chapters 13 through 20. And then finally, chat, uh, sorry, domain six, professional development and responsibility. 10% of the weight of the exam, chapters one and two. 
And we have already done a high-level overview of all of those domains. We've reviewed them on the NASM CPT podcast. And now let's get into talking about some more information about the exam. For those of you who have not taken it, you're like, yeah, yeah, get to the exam stuff. So here you go. Exam information. To earn your certified personal trainer certification, the only requirement is passing the NASM examination. The exam expires 180 days from the date of your purchase to the pro, uh, uh, purchase of the program to when you take that exam. So you have 180 days from the date that you purchased it, not the day that the book shows up. So be aware of that. Be prepared to provide proof of a valid CPR AED certification at the time of your test. This is important. You will need to have that and a photo ID. If you do not have it, you will be turned away. You need to be CPR AED certified. And the name on the card, the CPR card, should match what you registered with NASM or you cannot take the test. So if your name is John on your NASM account, but your ID says Jonathan, you may run into some issues on your exam. Now, I would like to think that the proctor could be like, I, I could see how that's related. I could see how that would happen, right? But there are some names out there that aren't as easily equatable. And so what they do sometimes is just say, if it doesn't say this, it doesn't say it, you may need to address that. Because PSI, which is the testing company, has their own set of rules. They have their own set of guidelines. And to make sure that you review those guidelines before your exam date. For example, PSI locations do not allow baggy clothing or water bottles in the testing center. So you come up in with baggy clothes, then they may ask you to change clothes uh, or they may not allow you in for that exam. So just be aware of it. Review the rules before going in. So make sure you complete your CPR AED well ahead of time so that you get your card and you're there and then review any of those rules from PSI at the testing center prior to the date of your exam. Here's some more exam information. Depending on which option you selected at the time of purchase, your NASM examination will either be live remote or uh, live remote proctoring or in-person proctoring. But either way, it's gonna be proctored. Somebody will be there watching you take the exam. Final exam information. Final exam information. Here we go. Passing score. You need to have a 70 or better. You need to have a 70 or better. That's a scaled score, 70 or better. The format, it's computer-based. You're going to be taking it on a computer. There are 120 multiple-choice questions, as we talked about. 20 of those are industry review um, questions, and the other 100 questions are the actual countable questions that go in your exam. You have two hours. You have a two-hour time limit to complete it, 180 days from the date of purchase, and you have to earn your CPR AED certification. It is required and it has to be in your hand when you show up to take the NASM CPT7 exam. In-person proctoring. So if you have to go to a station, you have to register for your exam by clicking on the link in your course. It's located in the Welcome to CPT7, your course. So go to that, that opening page and you'll find it there, or you can call PSI testing. That number is 1-833-537-1330 if you're in the U.S. or Canada. Again, that's 
833-537-1330 or internationally it's uh, one or plus one 702-939-6797 plus one 702-939-6797 uh, for international note if the country in which you are looking to schedule your exam is unavailable for registration online or over the phone through PSI contact the NASM member services at one 800 460 6276 to start your registration process. And please allow four to six weeks for scheduling, which means you can't just wait till the 170th day and try to schedule for the following week. It may take four to six weeks for scheduling for that. All right, let's talk about live remote proctoring a little bit more. Register for your exam by logging into the testing platform with your established login credentials. And that's going to be your HTTPS, NASM, uh, YSAS, or YSASecure.com slash login. Note you're going to be required to schedule your exam appointment at least 24 hours in advance. We recommend you reference the additional exam preparation resources in your course to ensure that you are the most prepared for your exam. So review those course um, support, those course support and resources sections that are there. All right, make sure you check the network for reliable uh, network speeds. If you're taking the test online, ensure that there's no technical problems on your end. And standards for taking the exam online can differ from taking it in person. So make sure that you review any and all the guidelines prior to your exam date. Now let's get into some examples of domain crossover. Here's example number one. Your client exhibits their feet turn out when performing an overhead squat. In this scenario, what would be the best muscle to stretch? Well, in this instance, you need to know what is an overhead squat that, and that the feet turning out is a compensation. That's found in the assessment um, section. Well, what muscles can cause the feet to turn out? Well, that can be found in the basic and applied sciences. Well, what do you do to various muscles when movement compensations occur? Well, that's found in the program design domain. So see how there can be crossover between domains just in a single question. Here's another example. Muscles that need stretching are overactive. Right? Muscles that are overactive when the feet turn out include... And then you'll see gastrocnemia, soleus, hamstrings complex in table 12.5 on page 391. Well, here's what might happen. You might get to a point and you say, make sure that you're not just memorizing the muscles because you need to try to understand them, both the, the location and the function of muscles. And you could do this, the test is gonna be much easier. For example, uh, simply knowing the location, you can answer most of these types of questions. Let's say your choices on this question are um, latissimus dorsi A, latissimus dorsi B, rectus femoris, C, gastrocnemius, D, rectus abdominis. And we're still talking about the feet turning out in an overhead squat. Well, you can basically eliminate A, B, and D by simply the knowing the locations on the body. Latissimus dorsi, rectus femoris, rectus abdominis are far less likely to be muscles that turn your feet out than the gastrocnemius. So being familiar with the muscles and not just memorizing them. Here's another example. While performing a push-up, your client's head migrates forward. 
and their low back starts to arch. What should you do? Well, in this instance, you need to know the kinetic chain checkpoints, basic and applied sciences domain. You need to know the potential overactive and underactive muscles found during the assessment domain. And then cueing techniques and progressions and regressions found in the exercise technique and training instruction. So these are domain crossovers. All right, what are some key things you need to know? I'm gonna give you some page numbers. I'm gonna give you some tables to look at. So prepare yourselves. If you are driving your car right now and you're like, I really wanna make sure I know which tables to address, then make a note of where you are and come back to this section so that you can review it. Here we go. Key things to know. You should be familiar with concentric functions of muscles. What they do concentrically, especially muscles, from table 12.5 on page 391 and 392. You should be familiar with solutions for movement assessments. All the columns, all the rows. That's tables 12.5, 12.7, 12.9, 12.11. And those are found on pages 391 through 399. Familiarize yourselves with those tables. Exercise modification, how to progress and regress exercises, chapters 13 through 20. Yeah, I know that's a lot, much more broad than some tables to, to look at. So make sure you're just familiar with exercise modification. That's what you need to know as a fitness professional anyway. And then certainly the OPT model, phase-specific acute variables. What are the sets in this phase, reps, rest range, tempo, what is that based on the NASM OPT model, which can be found in chapter 21? Questions about muscle action spectrum. The muscle action spectrum are concentric, isometric, and eccentric muscle actions. So be familiar with muscle actions and the joint actions that go along with them. Also identify if a muscle is an agonist, an antagonist, a synergist, or a stabilizer for a specific movement. You should also be familiar with what is the concentric action of the gluteus maximus. I love that that's the muscle that they were like, let's pick a muscle that you should really know, the gluteus maximus. So that particular muscle, what exercises would, would use this muscle as a primary mover or an agonist? So what muscles would be used, uh, sorry, what movements would this muscle be uh, utilized in? All right, questions about movement assessments. Moving on, again, still things that you need to be familiar with, some of the things that you need to know. How to set up and perform an assessment. Primarily the overhead squat assessment, we go over it ad nauseum within the text. Make sure that you're familiar with the setup process uh, for that, but also for other assessments as well. What are, what are movement compensations? What's a movement compensation? What muscles are overactive and underactive? What muscle is overactive when the knees cave in during an overhead squat assessment? That's a very specific question that was just asked. So that might be something that you need to be familiar with. Also, what muscles would you statically stretch if the feet turn out during an overhead squat assessment? Again, a very specific question on something that you need to be familiar with. Other questions about exercise modifications might be questions about exercise selection and execution, understanding exercise regressions, how do I make that easier for someone, and then understanding exercise progressions, 
how do I make it more challenging or more difficult? That can be found in page 528 for core training, 554 and 555 for balance training, 578, 579 for plyometric training, and pages 636 through 638 for resistance training. Now, questions about the OPT model and the acute variables. How can you more easily memorize acute variables? Those are things that you want to be familiar with and try to figure out ways that you can better feel more comfortable and competent with the acute variables in the NASM OPT model. Why are certain acute variables applied where they are? So knowing why uh, it's done the way that it's done. And then how many sets would you perform of a bench press in phase four maximal strength, as an example? but you would wanna familiarize yourself with what that might look like in any phase of the OPT model as you try to remember and understand the acute variables. All right, sometimes you just wanna know what else I need to know on the test. I get this question a lot and it's hard to answer that. It's hard to answer it when I get a message saying, and I get them, you guys are awesome. You reach out on Instagram. Sometimes I get an email from you, but it mostly DMs and you let me know you have an upcoming test. And I love that. And then you ask questions like, what do I need to be aware of that are on the exam? And I'm going to say, uh, on August 9, 2021, I did a podcast on it. So, and then for about two months before that, far more in-depth than I could actually provide in a response DM, where usually I'm, it's a pep talk where I'm going, you're doing great, you did a lot of studying, do your practice exams, make sure that you're familiar with the domains and you feel comfortable and competent in that, you'll do well in the test. So here is just a lot more information that I can provide than a DM on Instagram. All right, let me review some test taking tips for you and we will close out this particular session. So here we go with test taking tips. You've probably heard it before, but go with your first instinct on questions. Try not to overthink those answers, right? Go with the gut instinct and look at other answers to help you verify that you've done the correct one. Now, I've done this in test many times where I get later on in the test and I'm like, oh my goodness, that just answered the question uh, for, for number 13. I gotta go back to number 13 and, and fix the answer on that. So be aware of the test as you're going through it because it may answer some questions for you. All right, focus on selecting the best possible answer because some of the questions you'll look at and you'll say, these are two answers and I can make these make sense that both of these are correct. Maybe, but choose the best answer. Choose the best possible answer. And if you're not sure, make sure you flag the question so that you can return to it later if you either have no idea, if you've guessed, or if you're like, I'm a little unsure, I feel, feel okay about it, but just in case, I'm gonna flag that and then answer the questions you know first and return back to those flagged questions after you've gone through everything else and then select the best answer. And don't panic if it's become like the question's overly complex. It might just be a research question. So don't, don't worry about that. Make sure that you're not just only identifying the correct answers. Try to identify why the others are also incorrect 
And that sometimes is easier for me because I can at least say, well, I know A is out and I know C is out. So it's somewhere between B and D. And now all I have to do now is select the best answer of those two. So also don't get distracted by stories. There are going to be stories like um, in 1981, in, uh, a great ice hockey game was played and the player exhibited feet turn out during the, the story about the hockey player has nothing to do with really what we're asking the question about. So don't get caught up in the stories. Flag questions return to them. Be sure to review your rapid reviews on your study guide. So be sure to review those rapid reviews and they're on your study guide. Here we go, I'm gonna give you 10 takeaways, 10 key points, and then we're gonna wrap it up. 10 key points. Number one, schedule to take your exam. Number two, Obtain your CPR AED prior to taking the exam. Number three, use the study guides. They're located in the course and they're gonna help you prepare for the exam. Use those study guides. Number four, understand how questions can use more than one domain to derive an answer which we've reviewed. Number five, know the overactive and underactive muscles and their concentric action. Number six, understand how to progress and regress exercises. Number seven, understand how to categorize and cue exercises. Number eight, know the acute variables for each phase in the NASM OPT model. Number nine, trust your instincts on the exam and don't overthink the questions. And number 10, answer all the questions you know first and use the remaining time to review any of the questions that you flagged. All right, with that being said, I wish you the best of luck, not just on your exam, but in your study process. And don't be upset if you end up not passing the exam, it's okay, it's not a character flaw, it is something that you've made a task, you've made a run at, and again, when we talk about learning from failures, then you've taken the test. You feel more comfortable. You know what the test is. You know the questions that it asks. It won't be the same test when you go back into it, but at least you're familiar with the process and how it works and maybe some of the domains that you need to brush up on. So don't worry about failing, but be very focused on learning, not just passing the test. With that said, I wish you the best of luck in your studies and I, I hope that this helps to develop you further, and if not further, then start the process of developing you as a lifelong learner and realizing that learning is a joy, especially if you have purpose behind it. And I love that you chose fitness as your purpose. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all being here. If you have questions for me, feel free to reach out on Instagram at dr.rickritchie on IG, and then you can hit me up on Instagram, rick.richie at nasm.org. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.